At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Going to be joined by Danny Vietti. He does a great job at CBS Sports being able to take a look at the game that we love of baseball. And on top of that, does the Wake and Rake Podcast. Does that with Will Middlebrooks and does an amazing job. And you're able to catch that podcast wherever you find this one. In the second segment, going to be chatting with him. Just all about what we're seeing with the San Diego Padres and how wide open the National League is in general in terms of the wild card race. Also going to be chatting with him about a guy out there in the National League, not named Sandy Alcantara, who's put together a very nice season out there in the National League. And with that said, we're also going to be talking about Sandy Alcantara and why we should be looking at more than just the Cy Young with him, perhaps the MVP because of what he's meant to the Miami Marlins as he put together another tremendous start on Tuesday. We'll get into that in the minute, but in the final segment, also, we're going to be giving you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at JNNRNS41. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Got in a few questions with regards to splits. 
So let's dive into that right about now. So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. Wound up getting a few different questions about how I wind up gauging day and night splits along with reverse splits where you might have a guy that does really good against left-handed bats but struggles against righties for a starting pitcher. We're looking at that with Logan Gilbert, but going up against a team in which they wind up struggling against like right-handed pitchers versus left-handed pitchers. So you've sort of got a weakness on weakness, for lack of a better term. And for me, it's about taking a look at multiple different splits. Like in that Padres versus Seattle Mariners game, I did like the under in that one. The Seattle Mariners weren't able to keep that one under because their offense was so good. But I thought that Logan Gilbert was going to be able to perform relatively solidly because even though he had been doing a bad job against righties throughout the season, what I had taken a look at as well with regards to the Padres because I mean it was a reverse split sort of scenario is that they were hitting 30 points lower at home rather than on the road because it is Petco Park. You wound up having a guy in Logan Gilbert who just all season long he's been able to do a relatively solid job. I had faith in him and Logan Gilbert won't come through for his start and for the Mariners' money line, that wound up coming through relatively easily. The under did not wind up coming through because the Mariners wound up hitting that all by themselves but he was able to do a nice job there. And then when it comes to day and night splits, I really don't adjust my handicap for guys that they typically wind up performing a little bit better slash worse day to night. But I want to pointing this out on Twitter at GNNRNSquarty1. The big thing with regards to day and night splits is ballpark factors because you've got certain guys that are fly ball pitchers that if you wind up putting them in a day start in Oakland, for example, because it is the most stark ballpark, in my opinion, as to how the ball winds up flying day to night because during the nighttime, you've got the marine layer out. During the daytime, it's actually relatively hitter friendly. If you wind up putting out there a guy like, for instance, Kyle Hendricks. This is a very good example. If you put him out there in Oakland during the nighttime, you love Kyle Hendricks. You put him out there in the daytime, not necessarily so much love for Kyle Hendricks. So I think that that's really the biggest thing. And I do wind up bumping down my totals, you'll notice, when it comes to these West Coast ballparks during the nighttime. Hard to wind up taking unders of like eight when it comes to Blue Jays versus the Oakland A's with some of the guys that the Blue Jays are throwing out there right now. But that said, I do wind up having, with regards to more of the day and night splits, just a little bit of a reduction on the total, taking a look at what sort of a pitcher they are, ground ball pitcher, fly ball pitcher, how many strikeouts they wind up getting to be able to wind up adjusting my handicap that way. So hopefully that was able to be of help for you for being able to utilize splits. Now let's take a look at everything that we wind up seeing in the MLB on Tuesday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Won't have too much with regards to the West Coast games for this one because I am doing the look at once again on VSEN 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern time. If you're looking Pacific time, that would be 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Pretty much Tuesday into Wednesday and then I'll be doing that if you're out on the West Coast Thursday into Friday and if you're out there on the East Coast just 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern time on Friday so they've got me pulling some extra duty this week always happy to do so and I'm talking about Sandy Alcantara a little bit earlier we're going to be diving into what he's doing a little bit more with Danny Vietti in a few minutes and why you might want to take a look at him for MVP right now but 2 to 1 Miami Marlins wind up getting the job done Sandy Alcantara I believe for his ninth straight start winds up going at least seven innings Eight scoreless, ten strikeouts. I know that some of you guys with the run line were a little bit salty about Tanner Scott giving up a run in the ninth inning, but certainly another great Sandy start. And for the Miami Marlins, 
They get the job done thanks to a pair of home runs. Brian De La Cruz, along with Garrett Cooper, both wind up getting their sixth home run season off of Noah Thor Syndergaard. Syndergaard, not a terrible start. He gets eight strikeouts. Five innings pitch actually looked relatively solid. Did give up those two solo home runs from there. Alvar Ortega, Jaime Barilla combined for a scoreless inning. And Elvis was in the building to be able to give the team two scoreless innings. Elvis Piguero was able to give those two scoreless innings. He wound up taking the DK Nation pick. This was about as much of a roller coaster as you could get as the Baltimore Orioles blow three separate leads. Get a home run from Rudet Odor. Went down to their final out to be able to force extras and pull it out by a count of 10 to 9. Operation Fade Spencer Howard winds up being a success at Spencer Howard. Well, he lowered his ERA from a 10-15 for the year to a 10-97. His 19th straight appearance in which he wanted going four innings or fewer. Went four innings, gave up four runs, all of which were earned. And then the bullpen floodgates wound up opening as Garrett Richards lends two scoreless settings. Dennis Santana gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. John King winds up giving up a solo home run in his one and a third innings. The Rudnado Door home run came off of Joe Barlow. He gave up a run in an inning. And then Matt Moore, two outs in the 10th inning recorded by him. But he gives up the unearned run and starts on second base to take the L for the Texas Rangers. Three of home runs in this one, all off of the bullpen. Felix Batista gives one up to Corey Seager, 16th home run season. Mitch Garver gets his 10th off of Keegan Aiken, and then Nick Vespi gives one up to Nate Lowe, his 12th home run season as Austin Voth. Not necessarily a great start here. Three runs given up in four and a third innings. From there, Keegan Aiken gives two and a third innings, giving up just one run, but Dylan Tate, two runs rendered in an inning. Nick Vespi, Felix Batista, they combine to give up three runs in one and a third innings before Joey Kreeble. A scoreless 10th inning that allows the Baltimore Orioles you know, get the job done. And for the Orioles, 38-44, considering they're in the same division as right now four teams that would be in the postseason, that's actually not a bad season. The Philadelphia Phillies, they're putting together something nice right now. They take down the Washington Nationals by a count of 11-0. Paul Espino wound up getting shelled. Three and two-thirds innings gives up four runs, all of which were earned, including a pair of bombs. Kyle Schwarberg went deep off of him twice. 24th and 25th home runs of the season. Irasamoto Ramirez gives one up to JT Riumito. Riumito gets his seventh home run season as Ramirez. He gives up two runs in an inning. Reed Garrett, he now has an 8.22 ERA. He winds up giving up five runs in two-thirds of an inning. Andres Machado, Jordan Weems combined for five outside the bullpen scoreless end. It got to the point at which Alcides Escobar wound up pitching a scoreless inning and for the Washington Nationals. Nothing doing for them in this one as Christopher Sanchez, five scoreless settings, Jerusalem Familia, Andrew Bellotti both give you a scoreless setting, and Mark Appel, two scoreless settings out of him. You wind up seeing the Atlanta Braves take it to the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 7-1 as Andre Pallanti wound up getting destroyed, giving up seven runs, all of which were earned, including a pair of homers. And if you, like me, wound up having the under in this game, boy, were you fortunate. Six runs in the first setting, and then the game just died from there as Going deep off of Mr. Pallotti, you wound up having William Contreras get his 10th home run season and Austin Riley his 21st and Ian Anderson. Very good start, giving up one run over the course of five innings. Call McHugh, two scoreless innings, and then Tyler Magic, Jake Stevens, both able to give you a scoreless inning. And for St. Louis, the bullpen did their part. Becky Naughton, two and a third inning, scoreless Junior Fernandez, Zach Thompson, both deliver a scoreless inning of their own. The Detroit Tigers have not gotten a lot of offense this season, dead last in terms of runs per game, but they handed it to the Cleveland Guardians on Tuesday, 11-4. They get the W as Cal Quantrill gives up six runs, three of which were earned, including a home run going deep for the Detroit Tigers. Eric Haas is seventh home run season, and for the Tigers, they only have five home runs fewer than the duo of Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo of the New York Yankees as he gets a bomb there. Nick Sandlin gives up two runs in an inning, same advantages, three runs given up in his inning of work, and they turned into Sandy Leone, the backup catcher, providing two scoreless innings, which 
That's just really sad right there. And for the Detroit Tigers, you did have Drew Hutchinson give up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of five innings. So relatively good start there. From there, you wind up having Joey Menace along with Willie Peralta provide two scoreless settings. Jason Foley was able to give you a scoreless setting. And it wound up being Harold Castro, a position player, giving the team a scoreless setting because they wound up playing a double dip yesterday, which is why you wound up having the position players pitching so much for them. You did wind up seeing the New York Yankees wind up falling to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who as a underdog of north of a plus 175, I believe they're now 8-11 this year. 5-2, they take down the Yankees as Jamison Tyon going up against his former team. Not a pleasant welcome back for him. He gives up five runs in five and a third innings with Daniel Vogelback taking him deep. 11th home run season. Jack Swazinski is 14th and Jose Quintana continues to be tremendous for the Pittsburgh Pirates, giving up one run over the course of five innings. William Crow gives you two scoreless innings. Dwayne Underwood Jr. gives up a run in an inning before David Benar gets a save with a scoreless inning. And for the Yankees, bullpen continues to be solid. Aroldis Chapman looked much better in this appearance. A scoreless inning on 11 pitches, and Lucas Lukey one and two-thirds inning scoreless out of him. You did wind up seeing the Tampa Bay Rays go to Boston and get a W. 8-4 the finalist for the Tampa Bay Rays. They were really able to open this thing up in the sixth where they wound up getting four runs. No home runs out of the team, but 5-14 with Ben scoring position, and this is quite the fact that Jeffrey Springs did not lend a great start, giving up three runs over the course of four innings, including a pair of home runs. Going deep for the Boston Red Sox, Trevor Story, 14th home run season. Xander Bogarts is seventh, but we know that this Rays bullpen is relatively solid, and they did their part here. Colin Pooch, Jason Adams, Brooks Raley, Ryan Thompson. I'll give you a scroll saying, and then Charm Armstrong does wind up giving up a run in an inning for Boston. Nick Pavetta got destroyed. Seven runs given up in five and two-thirds innings. From there, Jake Diekman gives you an out of the bullpen. Enzo Robles, he gives up a run in an inning before Tyler Danish. He winds up being able to lend two scoreless innings. So the Rays, they're able to get up there, able to get the job done as those two teams are within a game of each other in their divisional race. Max Scherzer wanted coming back off the injury list, and Scherzer looked solid as he couldn't have done much more, but the Cincinnati Reds win by a count of 1-0 to because the offense behind him Gave him no support. Mets go 0 of 8 with men in scoring position for Scherzer. Six scoreless innings, 11 strikeouts. So, I mean, nothing short of Brendan Sarah. Julie Rodriguez along Tommy Hunter. They both give you a scoreless inning. And then Mike Boussakis gets a walk-off hit off of Seth Lugo, who wound up having a little bit of a rough go of it in his third of an inning. And for the Cincinnati Reds, it was Nick Votolo's first start at the big league level since April. He had made his... Fourth career start in this one. Four and two-thirds inning scoreless. And a Reds bullpen that entered into this night in the last three days, posting up an ERA of an 8.03. They wound up having four and a third inning scoreless out of the bullpen. Jeff Hoffman, one third inning scoreless. Ross Detweiler, Joel Kunal, along with Hunter Strickland. They all wind up giving you a scoreless setting for the Seattle Mariners. They go to San Diego, and they wind up getting a W. 6-2, the final for them, as it was Logan Gilbert, who I was mentioning a little bit with regards to the splits. Pitching five and a third innings, gave up two runs, one of which was earned, so that's what we saw there. Seattle, by the way, second-best bullpen ERA over the last three days for them. Paul Seawald, Eric Swanson, scoreless innings, and Andres Munoz, five outs at the bullpen, scoreless, and it was the first home run of the season for Sam Haggerty. He winds up going deep off of Mike Clevenger in the hitter's 7th or 9. He did not wind up having a good go of it. Four runs given up over the course of six innings, including that bomb. Luis Garcia, two scoreless innings from there. And then Taylor Rogers gives up two runs in an inning. So the Padres, they're scuffling a little bit. We are going to be talking about that with our good friend Danny Vietti on the other side. But 
want to speak about scuffling, that would be the Milwaukee Brewers as they wind up losing to the Chicago Cubs. As for the Cubs, they wind up having Kyle Hendricks only be able to deliver three innings in this one. He wound up leaving due to an injury as he did wind up giving up two runs, including a homer going deep for the Milwaukee Brewers. Roddy Tellez, his 17th home run season. Jason Alexander, no, not the comedian. Well, it was a comically bad start for him. He winds up giving up seven runs, six of which were earned over the course of five and a third innings as C.A. Suzuki, after he wound up having off inside the park home run in his first game back on Monday, he winds up getting another one. So his sixth of the campaign from there, you did wind up having Brent Suter come in for two and two-thirds innings. He wound up giving up one run in the process. And Mark Brasso, position player, wound up giving a scoreless inning for the Cubs. Bullpen from there was relatively solid. You did have Michael Rucker give up a run or two at the end of the game, but you did wind up having Rowan Wick along with Matt Schwarmer both give you two scoreless innings. So Cubs wind up being able to get it done. The Houston Astros, they wind up being able to get the job done. They take down the Kansas City Royals. This by count of 9-7 as for the Royals, Zach Granke got completely lit up in this game. Six runs given up over the course of five innings. He's got a road area that is north of seven as taking him deep. Alex Bregman, his 10th home run season. Then you also wind up having Jeremy Pena get his 12th home run of the season. Then Jordan Alvarez winds up taking Jackson Cower deep, his 25th home run season. And Cower, he winds up giving one up to Elamendi Zias for his 4th home run season for Cower. Three runs given up in three innings, including those two bombs. And for the Royals, they got their offense going. Bobby Wood Jr., 12th home run season. MJ Melendez is ninth. Astros have been the best under team in baseball thus far this season, but Luis Garcia did not wind up helping that cause out. He wound up giving up both of those bombs. Gave up five runs in total over the course of six and a third innings. Hector Neris, a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Brian Abreu, a out out of the bullpen with Phil Main. Give me a pair of outs out of the bullpen as well before Rafael Montero winds up being able to close out the game, but gave up a few runs along the way there. We do not have a final in A's versus Blue Jays as I wind up recording this, but I can tell you that Yusei Kikuchi made his start, and is that great? Wound up getting seven outs, and he gave up four runs, all of which were earned, including five walks. This guy's just absolutely terrible right now. The Blue Jays, they badly, badly need pitching because, I mean, the hitting has been solid. In the first five innings of the game, they got a home run after Teoscar Hernandez, ninth home run of the season, and Matt Chapman, he winds up going deep. He gets his 12th home run of the season, both of those off of Adrian Martinez, who in the first five innings, he wound up giving up three runs. So that was very interesting, to say the least. For the LA Dodgers, a little bit touch and go for them, but they were able to get some runs early on against the Colorado Rockies. As Herman Marquez, he gives up three-plus runs once again, as he's given up three-plus runs in all but three of his starts thus far this season. That was start number 16, so it's not necessarily too terrific out there. It's currently in the latter half of the game between the Giants and the Arizona Diamondbacks, and can say... Alex Wood, not necessarily too bad start for the San Francisco Giants. And Tyler Gilbert only lasted three and two-thirds innings, giving up one run for the years in the Diamondbacks. So that's a bullpen that is going to be very, very tired moving forward. And for the Minnesota Twins, they go on the road. They take down the Chicago White Sox. As I'm doing this, they're actually in a rain delay with it being 8-2. to two. So if they don't wind up playing the rest of this game, I'm taking a total in this one. Unfortunately, it's going to be a refund, but the money line of the Minnesota Twins, that is going to be good as Max Kepler wound up hitting his ninth home run season. Ode Polanco is 10th. You wind up having Alex Kurloff get a pair of home runs, one of which came off of Michael Kopech with the home runs of Kepler and Polanco also being off of Kopech for Kurloff. His second and third home runs of the season is next home run came off of Mr. Vince Velasquez as Jose Miranda also wound up taking Michael Kopech deep for his sixth as Kopech. Four run- home runs surrendered, six runs in total in four and two-thirds innings. Reynaldo Lopez 
One and two-thirds inning, scoreless out of the bullpen. Vince Velasquez gives up two runs in an inning, and Jose Ruiz a scoreless inning. And for the Minnesota Twins, relatively good start here from the Windy Man. Josh Winder in late notice. He winds up being able to give the team five innings, giving up two runs. Caleb Theobar, Ty Duffy, both able to give you a scoreless inning from there as well. And taking a look at the landscape of the MLB in general. It's been a little bit touch and go in terms of totals thus far this season. And if you look at the last seven days, it has been a little bit more of dog season thus far as if you take a look at what we've been able to get with a couple games pending. Underdogs, 41 and 47 over the last seven days. And if you take a look over the last three days, underdogs starting to climb up. They have went 163 and 231. That is a hit rate of 41.4%. Hit rate overall for the season closer to 59.5% on favorites. And over the last three days, we've seen a nice run on unders. 192 unders to 181 overs. So that's right around 51.5% to the under in this time span. And over the last seven days, 55.5% to the under. And if you're just taking a look at the season today, unders, they're hitting right around 51.6%. With a couple games pending for Tuesday, 587 unders to 550 overs. And if you take a look at the way the favorites have been playing this season, 59.5% hit rate, 713 and 485. But home favorites are having a tough time being able to cover the run line as they're 452 and 316 straight up, but there have now been a grand total of 143 instances in which the home favorite has won by approximately one run to not be able to cover the run line. So that has been a little bit of an issue, but what is never an issue, getting great content from Danny Vietti on this podcast. He does a great job with the Wake and Rake podcast, along with his work over there at CBS Sports. Coming up next, we're going to be chatting with him about what we're all seeing out of this tremendous season for Sandy Alcantara, another National League pitcher that deserves a little bit of shine as well. And we'll be talking about what we've been seeing with regards to the Padres and the National League playoff picture in general. Well, that's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Mason Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guest as Danny Vietti does absolutely amazing work over there at CBS Sports. And on top of that, you're able to catch him on the Wake Up Rake podcast. He does that with Will Middlebrooks. You may recall he's a man that wound up winning a World Series title back in the day. And to be able to follow Danny Vietti, that is that easy enough. Danny Vietti is first and last name. Last name is is spelled V-I-E-T-T-I. And Danny, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, always a good time, Greg. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you aboard, and it is always a good time to take a look at the game of baseball. But a team that's not necessarily having the most rosy of times right now, that would be the San Diego Padres, a team that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast, as they wound up being able to catch a really good break with Manny Bachado not being out for as long as I'm sure many people thought. Ever since he wound up returning, the team has had a rough go of it. Now, not necessarily the world's greatest draw when you wind up having to go to L.A. and face off against the Dodgers, but... What are you currently seeing with this team? Because for the San Diego Padres, it has been so strange the way this offense has been operating because Manny Machado, really the lone guy that has been able to give this team much power, and I feel like that's one of the big things that's holding them back. Yeah, this lineup needs help. It's really as simple as that. Their starting pitching in their bullpen gives them a chance to win each and every single day. Um, bullpen's been nails with Rodgers on the back end. Rotation, the depth there, they have about six or seven starting pitchers right now that are healthy and are able to start a ball game and give them a chance to win. The problem is when Manny left, there was nobody left. Obviously with Tatis and Machado, when they were both gone, it was up to guys like Luke Voigt, Jerickson Profar, 
to hold down the fort. And frankly, that's just not enough when you're competing against teams like the Dodgers. They've struggled against really good pitching, and that's to be expected when you don't have a lot of depth in your lineup. When you're relying on Luke Voigt, Eric Hosmer, Jerkson Profar, Hassan Kim, Austin Nola to guide your offense, when you go up against guys like Clayton Kershaw and some of the National League's best, like Tony Gonsolin, it's going to be a struggle. So I expect A.J. Preller to be incredibly aggressive at the deadline. Of course, while all knowing that they are going to get the best piece available of any team, and that's Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back to this lineup. But this lineup needs help. They need to show that they can beat good teams. And by good teams, I mean teams like the Dodgers, the Mets, even teams in the American League, too, with all this uh, cross-league matchup. So the lineup needs help. And if they want to beat these good teams like Los Angeles, they need some help in their lineup. They need more depth. No question. I do think that you're right on there with needing a little bit of help, but you mentioned it. The ultimate cheat code for this team of Fernando Tatis Jr. What are you hearing on that front? When can we expect him to be back? And is he going to look anything like the man that we wound up seeing when he was fully healthy last season? It's a good question. The latest that I'm hearing, and J.P. Morosi reported that Tuesday morning, we could be seeing Tatis in the outfield. And the reason for that is the infield defense for the San Diego Padres this year has been spectacular. Say what you want about Hassan Kim's bat, or lack thereof, but with the glove, he's been one of the better defenders in all of baseball. And coming into last week, the San Diego Padres had the fewest amount of errors of any team in the National League. So when you put Tatis back in, and we don't really know how healthy his shoulder and wrist is going to be, at least immediately, maybe kick him out to the outfield. That's at least the thinking right now. Nothing is finalized yet. Um, They're still working out what they want to do with the defensive alignment, what they want to do with the defensive rotation. But right now, that is at least a possibility, according to J.P. Morosi. So in regards to your question about what should we expect? Well, Tatis last year, if many remember, had a COVID IL stint. He had two shoulder injuries. And the guy came right back, and I remember against Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers, he hit two home runs. I think it was his first game back from the injured list. So the guy's shown that he can be relentless. The guy has shown that he is, in my opinion, the best shortstop in baseball when healthy. It's just going to be a matter of, obviously, he's going to have some rust on him. It's going to be nearly a year since he's played the game of baseball. So a little rust is to be expected, but I expect you know, as the season winds on, why wouldn't we see the great Fernando Tatis Jr. that we've all known and love or all known and come to love? Yep, and even to your point about Fernando Tatis Jr. being a bit banged up last season, he was swinging with two hands on the bat through his follow-through as well. He was just doing everything humanly possible to be able to protect that shoulder. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Danny Vietti. He does a great job with the Wake and Rake podcast, along with CBS Sports, being able to cover all things baseball for them. And you mentioned one of the top pitchers out there in Major League Baseball when you were running down that list of pitchers. And we should be seeing him on Wednesday. This is subject to a little bit of change, but... You brought up the name Tony Gonsolin, and it has been an incredible year for him because we're hearing about these Cy Young candidates, but Sandy Alcantara has been able to do. He's actually pitching, as we're recording this right now, in the Tuesday night game against the LA Angels. That has been just superb. Joe Musgrove, he has had an amazing year as well, but Tony Gonsolin, I believe that he is the first pitcher since 1913 to wind up starting a year 10-0 and with fewer than 50 hits allowed while being able to go 10-0. and 
what have you made out of his season? Because I take a look at the numbers, and I think it's fair to think that his sub-1 ERA at home is going to see a little bit of regression, but this is a guy that last year wound up giving out 5.5 walks per nine innings. You could see the stuff being relatively solid, but I don't know if I ever saw quite this big of a jump for Gonsolin, and it has been massive for the LA Dodgers. Yeah, it really comes down to splitter usage for Tony. Yeah, A lot of credit goes to the entire Dodgers staff and their analytical department because when you look at his metrics and you look at the vertical movement with his split fastball, it's top five in the league, and it's also top five in usage. So basically what the Dodgers are doing, it's not rocket science. They basically said, look, Tony, your best pitch is your splitter. So let's use your splitter as much as possible, and he's reaping the benefits of it so far. I give so much credit, like I said, to that Dodgers organization and Tony Gonsolin himself, but I don't want us to forget what Sandy Alcantara is doing over in Miami. Miami's actually very quietly having a very decent season. They're two games under right now. They might have a chance to contend for a playoff spot if they can continue this momentum. They're 4-0 coming into Tuesday in July. And if actually, if it wasn't for that second month of the season of May, where they had a 286 win percentage, the other two months, April and June, they were both winning records for, for the Miami Marlins. And a lot of that is because of Sandy Alcantara and that starting rotation. So I'm not meaning to take anything away from Tony Gonsolin. The guy deserves a ton of credit. But at least right now, I think Sandy Alcantara is your early front runner for National League Cy Young just because of the load he has put on his back. I mean, he's pitching seven, eight, nine innings seemingly every single time he takes the bump. That's really unheard of in this era of baseball. So Sandy Alcantara really deserves a whole lot of credit. And uh, it's kind of cool to see a starting pitcher pitch deep in the ball games in this era and if the marlins wind up making the postseason joining me on the podcast we do have danny vietti i'm not sure about you but i think that sadie alcantara is one of those rare guys where you need to consider him for the mvp because we take a look at what a player winds up meaning to their team if you look at this miami marlins bullpen i'm sure that you'd agree with me not good not good at all. They're currently <laughs> in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Someone like a Lewis Ed, who entered into the month of June with a buck 12 ERA, wound up leaving it on the injured list with an earth of 5 ERA. I mean, this has been a Marlins bullpen that has been so bad. And because of just what he means to this team, I think that if you take Sandy Alcantara off the Miami Marlins, it would cause for the biggest wins shift the biggest dip in wins of darn near any team out there in baseball he means that much I don't know if you agree slash disagree with that but I think that he's meant that much for this Miami Marlins bunch I don't hate that at all I actually love that at least so far and I think a lot of that has to do of course with early on oh I I should say this it was Nolan Arenado for MVP through the first month of the season then he kind of cooled a little then it was Manny Machado leading the San Diego Padres when they really shouldn't have been having as much success but they were, and much of that was Machado. And so all of a sudden, it was Machado for MVP. Then Machado turned his ankle, kind of came back to earth a little bit statistical-wise. And all the while, Paul Goldschmidt all of a sudden found his Arizona MVP self in St. Louis. But he has cooled a little bit. And so right now, I don't know if there is a head and shoulders above candidate for National League MVP. And to your point, the impact that Sandy Alcantara and the load that he has put on his back for this team for them to be in, in the realm of possibility for making the postseason, I don't hate that idea at all, Greg. And, you know, if he continues this and Miami truly is in contention, 
maybe GM Kim Ang can make a couple moves at the deadline to try and give their lineup a little bit more depth too. I like it. I kind of like that idea. Yep. And on top of that, you mentioned the lineup. They're dealing with an injury to Ore Soler. And I think that we were both expecting a little bit more out of him thus far this season as well. So the Miami Marlins, you mentioned it very silently. They've been able to put a couple wins together. Who knows what could wind up happening there. And Danny, what else I think is very intriguing, just taking a look at the game of baseball right now, is what we have been seeing in terms of the National League. You just mentioned it, the fact that the Miami Marlins, if they continue to put a few wins together, they might find themselves in that postseason race. And it just feels like this year, unlike in past years, it's a little bit more open out there in the National League than the American League. Because in the American League, right now, the way I see it, you've got number one, the New York Yankees, number two, the Astros, which... Astros show very well against the New York Yankees the last few weeks. But that said, those are your clear top two teams. Everyone else at this point, they're fighting for number three, whether that be the Rays and the Red Sox, who are currently doing battle on series, the Toronto Blue Jays, you have a good on the list. But I feel like all those teams are fighting for number three. But in the National League, you just take a look at some of these teams, the two teams out there in the Central and the Brewers and the Cardinals, the LA Dodgers, I still think are number one team. But in past years, it was always like the Dodgers way up there at number one and then everyone else, they're just trying to fight for their chance to be able to get into a five and seven game series and have a shot to be able to take them down that way. But it feels a little bit more equal out there in the National League this season. The Atlanta Braves, they've been able to put together a nice run themselves. But I just take a look at the National League landscape and it feels like it's ever changing. Whoever winds up getting hot for those next few weeks, they become pretty much the flavor of the week slash month. And I take a look at this picture. I think that it's going to be a interesting one all throughout the year. And it's been a bunch of different teams doing it in a wide variety of ways. No doubt. And I think to explain the American League and why that wildcard race seems so off balance, if you will, you look at the American League East, the Yankees have like a 13 game lead up on the second place team in that division. And keep in mind, the second place, the, the second, third and fourth place teams Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Rays, they would all be in the playoffs right now if the season ended. So the Yankees, what they're doing is just ridiculous. Then you head over to the American League West, where the Astros have a 12-13 game lead on the second place uh, team in their division. They got the Mariners and the Angels are reaching, and the Rangers are mixed in there. Then you look over in the National League, you got the National League West, where Dodgers, Padres, Giants have slipped a little bit, but they're battling. You go over to the National League Central, Brewers and Cardinals atop. They're battling in the National League East. I mean, it's just a battle royale right now. I mean, you got the uh, Braves, who are probably the hottest team in baseball. They're creeping up on the Mets, who were the hottest team in baseball for a while, at least maybe behind the Yankees. And then, like we mentioned already, the Marlins are scratching and clawing as well. So the National League is going to be really interesting. You mentioned how there's a lot of teams in it. A lot of that has to do with just the expanded postseason. We're going to see a lot of teams making moves at the deadline. That's what I expect. It's going to be an exciting trade deadline coming up August 2nd. And I I expect to see a lot of teams involved. I do expect to see a lot of teams involved as well. And I mean, we're talking about the American League and how it's really those top two teams that everyone else is fighting for number three. But if you wind up seeing some arms wind up coming to those teams that are sort of on the fridge, I'm looking specifically at the Boston Red Sox the Toronto Blue Jays, and to a little bit of a lesser extent, the Minnesota Twins as well. I think that that could be impactful because with the Twins, 
if they have a healthy Byron Bruxton, and that's a big if because the guy's missed so many games this season, if they're able to just have a little bit more pitching, I think that they could make things interesting. Now, they haven't won a postseason game in darn near 20 years. That's been a little bit tough, but that said, if they could get a little bit of pitching, that helps them out. And with the Blue Jays, the failures of Yusei Kikuchi and Jose Barrios, they have certainly been there, but they've got the offense that they could wind up being able to win a series against one of those two teams, but I would not be able to take them in any sort of a series, knowing that Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi are going to be pitching in a series, especially with Injid Rue being out for the entirety of the season for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think that that's a big team that really needs to make a move at the deadline. Yeah, there's some interesting arms out there. Luis Castillo is probably going to be the biggest ticket available for the Cincinnati Reds. But then it becomes a question of, in the St. Louis Cardinals in particular, they're a team that are going to be in need of starting pitching in the National League because they have about three and a half, four starters right now that they can really rely on, especially with Jack Flaherty having a setback in his recovery. And so will the Reds trade him within the division? That kind of remains to be seen. Maybe San Francisco could be a team trying to go after Luis Castillo. But speaking of the Bay, you're going to have Frankie Montas that is expected to be dealt as well from Oakland. Frankie has had a bit of bad luck when you consider the defense behind him this year and the fact that you just don't look at his win-loss record because I promise you is not indicative of You how want well to point this, this out, I believe. He's made 10 quality starts, which is where you wind up going six-plus innings, giving up three runs or fewer, and he's doing eight in those starts. Brutal. It reminds me of Felix Hernandez with Seattle a few years back when he won the Cy Young. I'm not saying Frankie's winning Cy Young here, but a really good arm. And then another guy sticking out West that is opening some eyes is Madison Bumgarner, a guy that has arguably the greatest postseason resume of any pitcher in Major League Baseball history. Is he able to sustain the success he's had in Arizona this season, this renaissance season, if you will, down there in Arizona? He's been throwing the ball pretty well. So there are some arms available, and there's going to be a lot of teams like we were just talking about that need starting pitching. The Cardinals, the Blue Jays, and like I said, maybe San Francisco gets involved as well. So it's going to be interesting. A lot of arms available and a lot of moves to be made. And even to a little bit of a lesser extent, if the Kansas City Royals want to blow it up, maybe even a guy like a Brad Keller might be someone that you wind up taking a look at as well. He's probably not going to get as much love, but that said, to your point, there are some teams that they are way out of the race, and there are certainly going to be teams looking for some arms because it feels like there are so many contenders that they just need that one or two guys in their rotation and their bullpen to a little bit of a lesser extent as well to be able to push themselves over the top. And we need that one or two pieces to be able to push ourselves over the top on this podcast today. And Danny, you are that piece that was able to push us over the top. You're able to do an amazing job over there with the Wake and Rake podcast along CBS Sports. Let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and how they're able to just get your work in general. I know that you wind up doing a great job with some podcasting and lots of articles as well. Uh, thanks, Gray. Yeah, Brooks and I will be breaking down our all-star teams this week on the Wake and Rake podcast. So please do check us out when you're not listening to Gray here. And then all the written work is always up on CBSSports.com. Danny doing an absolutely amazing job being able to cover the game of baseball. His podcast, Wake and Rake Podcast, it is a must listen. And every single time that Danny del- joins this podcast, he always delivers good. So a big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Decent Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, yeah, because you got to think, he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on top of that. that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came to my room crying tears. (laughs) I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, yeah, because you got to think, he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on top of that. that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. (laughs) I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. 
It is always a pleasure to get Danny Vietti on the show. He does an amazing job with the Wake and Rake podcast. You're able to find that wherever you get this podcast. Along with that, you're able to find him over there at CBS Sports doing an amazing job covering the game of baseball for them. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUNIT underscore D1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom, so that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. So let's get down to business. 951-952 on the betting board of the Chicago Cubs. They throw out the facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns, as I use my old English accent, is going to be going for the Brewers, and Adrian Sampson is on the bump. For the Cubs, between 7.5 and 8 is your total on the 7.5 over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105 on the 8. The under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. I did wind up saying my total at a 7.8. I personally would rather have a 7.5 over in this spot rather than an 8 under, but if this winds up being just all 8s across the board, I will take that 8 under because the only 7.5 I'm seeing is that DraftKings, and being out here in Las Vegas, we do not have access to DraftKings, so that is currently unbettable for me as I do this podcast, but take a look at Corbin Burns. He has been actually significantly better when he's been on the road rather than at home. It's been a little bit strange to take a look at that, but with Corbin Burns overall this season at 236 ERA, but that's a buck 62 ERA on the road, 310 at home because he's given up eight home runs in 49 and a third innings at home. I do think that a little bit of this has been bad luck because opponents, they had a buck 79 off of him on the road, buck 90 off of him at home. Guy is so but amazing being able to get his swings and misses right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. And then you take a look at Adrian Sampson and he's been able to get right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. Not a guy that is going to give out a lot of walks, but certainly someone that I think is doing for a little bit of negative regression as you take a look at what wound up happening during the 2021 season with the Cubs. He had a 280 ERA despite giving up eight home runs in 35 and a third innings. I don't know how you wind up giving up 15 runs, 11 of which are earned on eight home runs, but he somehow, someway managed to do that. And you do take a look at this Milwaukee Brewers lineup, and I don't know if they're necessarily going to be that team that winds up putting that big giant hurting on them. Because you do have a pair of guys for this Brewers team with 16 home runs going into Tuesday. Will Adamas, Rowdy Tellez. But you take a look at that starting lineup that the Brewers trotted out there on Tuesday. Nobody entered into that game hitting above 253. Christian Yelich and Andrew McCutcheon both in that fold. And then you do have quite a few guys in between about a 235 to a 245. Luis Arias along with... Victor Carantini, Jace Peterson, Colton Wong, along with Mr. Rowdy Tellez, but not really that one guy that's able to put the team on his back like you were hoping for with the Brewers with Christian Yelich. And then for the Cubs, you got guys that are able to get on base for you. Ian App, along with Wilson Contreras. Both of these guys right around at 375 on base with Contreras, a double-digit amount of homers. Patrick Wisdom has went deep 17 times, but he's currently on pace to be able to strike out more than 200 times this season. And then past him, Nick Madrigal has been able to do a nice job of being able to get on base, but guys at the bottom of the fold like David Bodie, Jan Gomes, whenever Jason Hayward's been out there because he has not played very frequently, it's been tough for them. C.A. Suzuki is back in the fold. That should be able to help, but the Cubs 
over the last 30 days. They're both an ERA is the second worst in the big leagues. It is north of a 5-7. You've had guys like Rowan Wick and Scott Efforts who began the year very solid. Posting up north of four ERAs over the last 45 days. Michael Givens, his ERA is stabilized to a 334, but he hasn't been good recently. David Robertson has really been the only guy that you could trust in, and he's already blown a safe in this series. And then for the Brewers, you've got Devin Williams and Josh Hader in that bullpen. Hader is starting to give up a few more runs, but still, I would put him by far the number one closer out there in the big leagues and then pass that. Holby Milner, a sub-3 ERA. Brent Suter, overall for the year, a 445 ERA, but that's a 261 over his last three days. He's been able to pitch a little bit better. Brad Boxberger has been able to give you some good innings as well. So I do think that the Brewers should be a very sizable favorite in this spot. I think that there's a rude awakening coming in for Adrian Sampson. If you're taking a look at this Brewers run line, you're finding it at a minus 115 because it does figure to be a lower-scoring game. But with this Cubs bullpen, I do think that the Brewers have a good shot of being able to get a multi-run win. I do think the Corbin Burns going to get a little bit less unlocked lucky with the hard contact. I was willing to lay up to a minus 135 on that Brewers run line, so I'm going to be looking there. Semi-total at a 7.8. I said, would rather have a 7.5 over, but right now, here in Vegas, all I've got is 8, so I would take the 8 under. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on the Cincinnati, and they're on to playing us to the New York Mets. David Peterson, great name, going to be going for the Mets, and you've got Graham Ashcraft on the bump for the Reds. The Reds are finding themselves in between plus 135 and plus 145. Meanwhile, with the Mets, it's any between minus 155 at minus 169 and is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Table end up saying my total at 9.8. So I'm going to be looking at the 9.5 over. It's a Reds bunch that's hitting nearly 40 points better on their batting average at home rather than on the road. And got a New York Mets team as in the top five in the big leagues at just being able to get on base. So many guys are hitting right in that realm of, I would say, about a 270 to a 280. For this bunch, Marcana throwing their Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, Pete Alonso, and then, as we know, with Mr. Pete Alonso, he's got the deep ball going. 22 home runs, league high 69 RBI entering into Tuesday. And then past that, you've even got some like a J.D. Davis who's starting to pick it up. Jeff McNeil sitting above a three. Eduardo Escobar is hit for the cycle of the season. On the flip side for the Reds, Brendan Drury is putting together a really nice season. 17 home runs, hitting a 270 for this team. And then guys like a Taylor Naquin, Nick Senzel, Throw in there someone like a Matt Reynolds hitting between about a 252-260. Albert Ormora Jr. has been solved for this bunch. Joey Vato since coming off the COVID IL has been able to give you about a 340 on base. The big thing with the Reds, though, going into Tuesday, bullpen ERA over the last 30 days, north of an 8. And overall for the year, they've got an ERA that's over 0.85 points higher than any other bullpen out there in the big leagues. Alexis Diaz has been on the injured list for this bunch, and he's really been their best reliever. Tori Moretta, Revier, Sam Martin, Hunter Strickland. I mean, you're able to go down the list of guys with north of a 5 ERA. Ross Zellweiler might be their best reliever at this point with right around a 4 ERA. And then for the Mets, I'm not saying that this is the world's greatest bullpen, but Edwin Diaz has been able to do a lockdown job in the ninth inning. Adonis Medina has been able to come into his own. Adam Adovino, after a little bit of a tough start to the season, he's given up one earned run in his last 11 appearances. Drew Smith has been solid for this team. So I do think that you've got a nice edge here with the New York Mets because David Peterson has actually been a relatively solid starter for this team. 5-1 record. Supposed to get up a 324 ERA now. He is someone that he actually pitches significantly better as well. 
on the road that at home now. I will say Great American Ballpark is a little bit of a fan box, but a 2.17 road ERA for Mr. Peterson compared to a 4.30 ERA at home, giving up overall six home runs over the course of 58 and a third innings. So he's been able to keep the ball in the yard, getting a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. And for Graham Ashcraft, got to figure that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression in from his swing and miss stuff is not necessarily there. Right around 5.9 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, his walks per nine rate is solid, hovering right around two, and he only gives up about one home run per nine innings, but I do think that he's going to give up a little bit more contact. I think that the Mets are going to be able to get to him. I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot, and if you're taking a look at the run line with the Mets, you'll find that anywhere between even money, and I'm seeing a plus 105 out there as well. I need a plus price to be able to take a shot on the Mets run line, but I would rather take the plus 105 on the run line rather than laying some sort of a chalky, like, minus 160-ish money line, as I'm willing to lay up to a minus 162 on that money line, but would rather have a plus price on the run line. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals hit the red faceoff against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Supernola is going to be going for the Phillies, and Josiah Gray is going to be on the bump for the Nets. The Nationals are finding themselves as a plus 175 underdog, and you're finding the Phillies at a minus 205, 8.5 is your total. The under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. Currently only seeing the number up at DraftKings, but figuring we do wind up getting this matchup, I'd be willing to side with the Philadelphia Phillies more on the run line in the spot. I set them more around a minus 230 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, you're able to get a plus 105 right now, and I was willing to lay more like a minus 125 to a minus 130. With the Philadelphia Phillies now, Josiah Gray has given up three runs or fewer in five out of his last six starts, but that last start they wound up having against the Miami Marlins, it was a little bit of a sinker. And for Aaron Nola, he's actually always been better at home versus on the road. Aside from this season, just for his career, his ERA is about .8 points lower at home than on the road. But you do take a look this season, 425 home ERA compared to a 213 road ERA. I do think that there's going to be positive progression with his home ERA and negative regression with his road ERA because he's given up three home runs in 55 innings on the road, nine home runs in 48 and two-thirds innings at home, despite the fact that opponents are in 42 points lower off of them at home. That's just bad luck in my opinion. Meanwhile, you take a look at Josiah Gray, and he's actually been significantly better on the road than at home. He's got a 642 home ERA and a 201 road ERA. It just baffles the human mind. He's given up 11 bombs in 40 and two-thirds innings at home. Five home runs in 40 innings on the road with opponents sitting 90 points lower off of him on the road. Now, Washington is not necessarily the world's greatest park for pitchers, but I do think that there's going to be negative regression with them pitching at home, and this is a Philadelphia Phillies lineup that, even without Bryce Harper, is still very fearsome. As you've got Kyle Schwarber with a 340 on base, only a 215 batting average, but 23 home runs. What Reese Hoskins has been doing recently has been absolutely incredible. Over the last 30 days, he's hitting at 337 with 9 home runs in 95 at-bats, so he's got it going, and you've got a lot of other guys who've been able to get on base for this Phillies team, as JT Riomuto has been able to hit right around at 245 along Nick Cassianos, Alec Boehm. Be able to do a nice job being able to move the line along with Matt Fearling. I'm very curious to see what Mickey Monick is able to do, just has been banged up all season long. Flip side for the Washington Nationals, it's a top seven team in terms of just being able to get on base in general. As Mikel Franco, Cesar Hernandez, Kibera Wees, you're able to throw in there Yadiel Hernandez. These guys have all been able to do a nice job moving the line. Nelson Cruz has seen his batting average shift to right around about a 240 along Franco, but the rest of those guys can get 255 plus. Josh Bell, he's hitting nearly a 320 with 12 home runs but 
for the Washington Nationals. Juan Soto is currently dealing with an injury. Top home run getter, but only inning at 225 for this bunch. It's been a little bit of a disappointing year for him, and this is just a Nationals bullpen that you really don't want too much of a part of. Carl Edwards Jr. starting to see a little bit of regression. Steve Ciszek is posting up nearly a 5 year Tanner Rainey has been having a rough go of it recently. He and Erasmo Ramirez between a 3-6 to a 4-4 ERA. Kyle Finnegan right around a 4 ERA himself. Jordan Weems is someone that is now getting innings. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, bullpen is still not necessarily supreme, but Sir Anthony Dominguez along with Brad Hand both have a sub-250 ERA. Corey Knable has been solid in a 6-7th inning role. You've been able to get a couple solid innings as well out of someone like an Andrew Bellotti. So I'm willing to set the Phillies as a very sizable favorite. Was willing to lay up to about a minus 130 on their run line. So being able to get a plus 105, that is certainly appealing to me. And the total is intriguing with the way that the Nationals have not been able to get a lot of bullpen pitching in general. I did wind up saying this whole at an 8.2 as Josiah Gray has been significantly better on the road rather than at home. So I would be willing to take an 8.5 under and I'd be looking at the Phillies on the run line. M57, 958 on the main board. The St. Louis Cardinals, they're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Atlanta Braves as Mad Max Freed is going to be going for the Braves and you've got Miles Michaelis who is going to be on the bump for St. Louis and this is going to be the basis of the DK Nation pick as you have got a total of 8.5 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 seeing now a straight minus 120 on the under that makes the over even but with regards to the money line you're finding the Atlanta Braves and between minus 185 and minus 190 between plus 160 and plus 170 is what you're getting on St. Louis and I really do see an edge on both the money line and the total I'll be writing up the total personally so it'll be known here but I do like the Cardinals in this spot I set them as a plus 145 underdog Miles Michaelis has been able to do a solid job and that's why I'm writing the DK Nation pick up as the under as well it sort of goes hand in hand because Miles Michaelis the 5-6 and six record a little bit deceiving the guy has been rock solid not necessarily a bunch of strikeouts right around seven ish strikeouts per nine innings but command has been there he's given up about 1.8 1.9 walks per nine innings rocking a really good mustache by the way and two earned runs or fewer and now each out of his last five starts and for that matter, aside from a bumpy little two-start stretch they had in late May, early June, he has given up two earned runs or fewer in every one of pretty much his other starts this season. So he has really been able to do a nice job of being able to hone it in this season. And for Max Fried, wound up having like two or three bad starts to start off the year, much like he did last season. And he's been able to rein it in there ever since. A 266 ERA with Fried, he's given up a half a home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is right around 1.4. Opponents are getting a 232 off of him. Now, I will say for free, he's got a little bit of a higher ERA at home than on the road. 292 home ERA, 227 road ERA. It is a little bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark out there in Atlanta. And you do have a pair of teams that they do a nice job of being able to rip the cover off the balls. You take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals team and got a lot of guys getting on base headline by Paul Goldschmidt. Hitting a 340 with 19 home runs, but then past that, Nolan Arenado, Brandon Donovan. They're both hitting north of a 285 with Arenado, 17 home runs, and then Juan Yepes is Bay late at 280. Nolan Gorman, Tillon Carlson, along Tommy Edmond, hanging in that pocket about a 250 to a 265 whenever Harrison Bader's been out there. He's been able to give you some stolen bases and for Atlanta. A lot of guys hitting between, I'd say, about a 250 to a 265 and William Contreras, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, and with Riley, 20 home runs as far this season. Marcelo Zuna, 16 home runs. Dansby Swanson hitting at 314 bombs. Ronald Acuna Jr., finds a way to be able to get on base, but you're able to have faith in a lot of these bullpens as well with the Atlanta Braves. They've really been the top bullpen in terms of ERA in the National League thus far this season, and it hasn't even necessarily been the veterans for this team as Walt Smith along Darren O'Day, 
Both of these guys have been fascinating to say the least. I'm not sure how Will Smith has a 3 ERA, but he does. Every time I see him, he's in trouble. Darren O'Day, a little bit north of a 4 ERA, but Passat Donley posting up a 1 ERA. AJ Mentor has had a little bit of a rough go up at the past week or two, but he's posting up a sub 2 ERA. Jesse Chavez right around at 250. You've been able to get some good innings out of Jackson Stevens throughout the season. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Ryan Elsley, sub 2 ERA. They are dealing with an injury to Genesis Cabrera, but Giovanni Gallegos has been able to do a nice job for this team. Junior Fernandez, as of right now, has yet to give up an earned run for this team as well. And I do think that you're going to see a pair of guys wind up lending a very good start in this spot. I want to saying the Cardinals as about a plus 145 underdog. So I'm going to be willing to take this plus price. I like Max Freed. I think that he should be the favorite, but I don't think that Miles Michaelis should be this big of an underdog. And I think both guys wind up turning a very nice gem and turning it over to bullpens are relatively trustworthy. Set my total at a 7.4. So DK Nation pick is going to be on the under in this spot. And I'm going to look at the plus price with the Cardinals. I'm 59.960 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be playing OCC and Francisco Giants. It's Alex Cobb is going to be going for the Giants. And Merrill Kelly is on the bump for the D-backs. The D-backs are finding themselves as a bit of a home underdog anywhere between plus 113 and plus 130. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Giants, it's anywhere between minus 123 and minus 145. So, a bit of a range here. Anywhere between 8.5 and 9 is your total on the 8.5 over is minus 120 and the under is even. On the 9, the under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. And the over is anywhere between even and plus 105 and being able to get a nice plus price on the Arizona Diamondbacks, that does appeal to me as I'm doing this podcast. Number is lowering lower and lower, but as long as I'm able to get a plus 115 or greater, I'm willing to take a shot here on Arizona because Merrill Kelly, throughout his career, has an ERA that's right around 1.5 points lower at home rather than on the road. Might be closer to 1.4, but he has been always tremendous at home. A little bit better with regards to his home and road splits this season. 340 home ERA compared to a 355 ERA on the road, but I mean, he's done a nice job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Six home runs in his 16 starts, crossing 91 innings in total. Opponents starting at 245 off of him. Gets right around 7.3, 7.4 strikeouts per nine innings, but it's really done a nice job holding down the Ford at Alex Cobb. Just been so badly unlucky this season. His ERA is right around a 4.6. His fielding independent is nearly a point and a half lower, if not a little bit more, and it's really been on the road for him. He's made four road starts thus far this season. Opponents are hitting a 308 off of him. Strikeouts per nine rate on the road. Hover's right in the neighborhood about 8.6, 8.7. He's given up three home runs in his 19 and two-thirds innings. You've got to feel like he's going to be able to have a little bit of positive progression here. His walks per nine rate, that is in the neighborhood about 2.7. So he's done a good job there now with the San Francisco Giants. So it is a bullpen that has been less than trustworthy this season. You've been able to get a couple good innings out of Camilo Duvall, Dominique Leon, and Jordan Garcia. All these guys are posting up a sub-3-5 ERA, but Mauricio Lovero is posted up north of a 5 ERA. Tyler Rogers over the last three days has right around a 3 ERA, but for the season, his ERA is right around about a 5-ish. John Brebby has been able to do an okay job, but Jake McGee has been a hot mess for the years in the Diamondbacks. You want to pick your spots with this bullpen, as Joe Manatipoli has been amazing. He's been able to give you a sub-250 ERA. Sean Poppin, along with Kyle Nelson, sub-3 ERAs out of these guys, but Noe Ramirez has a north of 5 ERA, along with J.B. Wendelkem, Mark Melanson, so these guys have been far from terrific. And for Arizona, it's been a very curious case with the deep ball of this team, because you got an Arizona Diamondbacks bunch as launching over a home run and a half 
per game on the road at home. That lowers to right around a point eight. Christian Walker has been able to give you 21 home runs overall, and he's been able to do a good job home and road of being able to go deep, entering into what we wound up seeing on Tuesday. Jordan Luplo getting a home run every 12.3 at-bats, but he's hitting a buck 71. and you take a look at the starting lineup that the Arizona Diamondbacks wound up trotting out there on Tuesday, and you wound up having six out of their nine starters hitting a 204 or lower. You do have Alec Thomas, who's able to hit about a 250. Ketel Marte has been solid for this team. He's been a little bit off and on injured, and then you take a look at the the San Francisco Giants and Jack Peterson. Right now, the only guy that has been able to give this team a double-digit amount of homers, they do a good job of being able to platoon as well. Peterson, the 17 home runs, that's right now leading the way, but just a lot of guys hitting sort of in that neighborhood of a 235 to a 250. Luke Williams, Evan Longoria, Mikey Stromsky, throwing there someone like a Wilmer Flores, and then you've got Tommy LaSalle and Thario Sardo hitting more around about a 255, but certainly has been a little bit touch and go with this Giants team. But I think that Alex Cobb going to be able to perform a little bit better moving forward. Yes, I do think that the numbers are going to be a little bit more positive for him, but I love the way that Merrill Kelly has been able to spin it at home. I do wind up saying my total at an 8.8, so seeing pretty much nines as of right now, I'm going to be willing to take a 9 under and getting anything north of a plus 115, going to be willing to take a shot on Arizona. 961-962 on the betting board. You got the Colorado Rockies. They're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the LA Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. Right now, to be determined, is listed on the betting board. I am seeing on ESPN, Jose Yareña, who's going to be going for them. And if you do wind up getting Mr. Jose Yareña, I think that he's going to Yareña all over this game. And I'd be willing to set the Dodgers right around about a 282 favorite here. And I'm not even kidding with Tony Gonsolin. There's just no backing the Colorado Rockies in this spot. And this would be a case in which I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 145 to a minus 150 on this Dodgers run line. When it comes to the total, it would be a case in which I would be setting it with Yarenia against Tony Gonsolin in 8.4, which means an 8 or less, I'd be looking at an over 8.5 or higher. I would be taking a look at an under, but I mean, boy, it is just a case of which Jose Yarenia is someone that I really do not have a lot of faith in whatsoever. He has pitched a grand total this season of fewer than 10 innings, as he has won a grand total of 7 and 2 thirds innings. He wound up not necessarily giving up a ton of runs, as in the 7 and 2 thirds innings, he wound up giving up 3 runs, so I guess that's halfway decent, but began his season with the Milwaukee Brewers. Did wind up seeing a couple starts last season with the Detroit Tigers, but if you're looking for a guy with a track record of success, well, he's got at least a 521 ERA in each out of his last three seasons, a whip of at least a 148 in each out of those last three three seasons. It's been a case which Jose Ureña wound up getting sent down to the minor leagues a little bit earlier this season as he wound up getting DFA'd from the Milwaukee Brewers, so you're just taking a look at this guy and I don't know what you're going to be able to get moving forward because he was actually pitching for a AAA Albuquerque, which is a massive juice ball league. He wound up getting five stars, 729 ERA. Now, the PCL, once again, it is a league in which when you're pitching out there for Albuquerque, the ball's just flying. And yet, the, the thing with it is... He only gave up 0.4 home runs per nine innings. It was just contact upon contact upon contact, and he had five walks per nine innings. I don't care if you're pitching in Albuquerque. I don't care if you're pitching in Milwaukee. I don't care if you're pitching on the moon. Five walks per nine innings, just not going to cut it here. And then for Tony Gonsolin, he legitimately should be in the top three in terms of the Cy Young race right now. 
He's the first pitcher since something like 1920 to wind up going 10-0 to begin a season and have given up fewer than 50 hits in that time span. He has been just absolute magic for this L.A. Dodgers team. Now, what I will say is that his fielding independent does not wind up matching up with his ERA that is currently a sub buck 65, but I mean, man, when you're posting up these numbers, it's absolutely insane for Gonsolin. Strikeouts per nine rate, hovering right around an eight and a half. His walks per nine, two and a half. Opponents throwing a buck 56 off of him now. Opponents batting average of a 124 at home and a 0.88 ERA. That is going to wind up rising. We know this, but when it comes to Colorado Rockies, I also know this, that it seemed to not hit the same on the road as they do at home. This is a Colorado Rockies team that they had about 40 points lower when they're on the road, but bigger than that. This is a Rockies team that when they're on the road, they average a half home run per game. At home, they're averaging more in the neighborhood, about 1.25, 1.3-ish home runs per game. Like CJ Crone, for instance, entered into Tuesday with 20 home runs, 5 on the road, 15 at home. Brendan Rodgers, 8 home runs thus far this season, all 8. Alvana coming at home. So you've got some very demonstrative home and road splits, and you've got a Colorado Rockies team that the bullpen over the last three days is right around a 3-5 ERA, but overall this season, they're in the bottom five in terms of ERA. Tyler Kinley, he is currently out for the season, and you've got a lot of guys that they just don't pitch the same on the road as they do at home. For instance, Lucas Gilbreth. He has overall a 4.803 ERA, but he's got a buck 35 ERA at home, an 8 ERA on the road, and 10 plus appearances both home and road. Ty Block, he's another guy with some very demonstrative home and road splits. At home, he's got a 5.40 ERA, 6.94 ERA on the road, and you're able to get on the list. And for the LA Dodgers, Craig Kimbrell has been an absolute hot mess for this team, but also when it comes to the LA Dodgers, you've got quite a few guys with smaller names like an Evan Phillips, Yancey Almonte that will be able to post up sub-2 ERAs. Alex Vesey has been able to give you some good innings, and for the Dodgers, among their first 50 wins of the season, just four by one run. So this has been a team that has been able to do a great job of being able to cover the run line, which is why if we do wind up getting Gonsolin against Jose Reina, which I am seeing right now, I'd be willing to set Gonsolin and company as right around a minus 280 on the money line, minus 150 on the run line. I'm starting to juice up this Dodgers run line on my own personal handicap with the way that they've been winning by two plus runs and an eight or less looking at an over eight and a half prior to the under. Once again, subject to a little bit of change because right now it's a little bit TBD in terms of the starters. 963, 964 on the betting board. We've got the Cleveland Guardians on the road facing off against the Detroit Tigers. Michael Pineda hopes to not be Michael Pineda for the Tigers. Meanwhile, Shane Bieber Fever is on the bump for Cleveland and Cleveland is finding themselves in between minus 155 and minus 165 favorites between plus 140 and plus 150. Your price on Detroit. 7.5 is your total. Under is minus 125. The over is plus 105. And on the 7, I'm seeing a 7 over of minus 120 and the under at an even. I did wind up making my total a 7.3. I personally would rather have a 7.5 under rather than a 7 over just because of the way that the Tigers have not been able to put bad to ball all season long. I mean, let's run through the list of Detroit Tigers there. Not doing a great job here. Eric Oss, Robbie Grossman, Jonathan Scope, J. Candelario, Spencer Torkelson, Javi Baez. All currently hitting at 220 or lower. You're able to throw in their guys like Corey Clemens and company. I mean, man, it's just not been great. Now, Riley Green has come up to the big leagues. He's hitting right around about a 260 hero caster along with Victor Reyes. I've been able to give you a little bit of something. And Miguel Cabrera in a 300. But Avi Baez right now leading the team in home runs with seven. And going into Tuesday, the Detroit Tigers as a collective had 44 home runs. Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo as a duo had 50. And for the Cleveland Guardians, not necessarily a lot of firepower in terms of the home runs for this team, but 
You do have a pair of guys, Jose Ramirez, along with Andres Jimenez, hitting between about a 285 to a 300 with Ramirez, giving you 60-plus RBI. And then on top of that, Steven Kwan, Amid Rosario, both of these guys hitting north of a 270. Richie Palacios was able to hit right around a 255-ish beginning the season. So that's been rock solid for the Cleveland Guardians. You've got a solid bullpen that involves a pair of failed starters in Eli Morgan along the same edges. Not been able to do a good job out there in the pen. Emmanuel Classe has been lights out on Yel de Los Santos. Has been able to give you right around a 3 ERA. And for the Tigers, a top 6 bullpen ERA. Now, and they get spent a little bit yesterday because Drew Hutchinson, well, he didn't wind up landing the world's greatest start, as is to be expected, but Andrew Chafin has been able to give you good innings out there in the bullpen. Michael Fulmer, along with Willie Peralta, a pair of guys that used to be starters, are currently posting up sub-3 ERAs, but for Michael Pineda, you've got a question how long he's going to be able to go in this start. His first start off of the injured list in about a month and a half. He wound up going five innings, giving up three runs against the Kansas City Royals. Didn't necessarily look too sharp in that instance. And for Shane Bieber, I feel like a lot of people have been undermining him a little bit more than they should be. For Bieber, just a 3-4 and four record, but strikeouts per nine rate is a little bit north of nine. Not quite what it was when he wound up winning the Cy Young, but 2.2 walks per nine innings, 0.7 home runs per nine. This is still a really stinking good pitcher, so... I did wind up setting the Guardians as a minus 152 money line look. If you're taking a look at the run line right now, you're going to be finding the Guardians right in that neighborhood about a plus 105. This could be a case in which if we do wind up seeing this more around about a minus 120 on the Detroit Tigers getting a run in F, that's something that would certainly be up my alley. I would need a little bit north of a plus 150 here to be able to take a shot on the Detroit Tigers. So this is a little bit more wait and see mode. Seeing the minus 160 to a minus 165 right now on the Guardians if we wind up getting closer to a minus 170 that should be able to push the Tigers up to a point in which I'm going to be wanting to take them on the money line or the run line. So that's what I'm targeting right now. I do think that when it's all said and done, I'm going to be in on the Detroit Tigers in some form or fashion. It's just a question of money line or run line that'll be settled by line movement overnight. 965-966 on the betting board. It is the Minnesota Twins. They are going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Chicago White Sox. Lance Lynn is going to be going for the Sox and Joe Ryan is on the bump for Minnesota. Minnesota is finding themselves as a very, very slight favorite to underdog. You're finding them anywhere between even money and minus 110 and with the Chicago White Sox. Find them anywhere between even money to minus 110. So, pretty much equal across the board. 8.5 is your total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. So, we've got pretty much as much of a pick'em game as we can get. But, with that said, I did want to say the Minnesota Twins as a minus 121 favorite. I just really don't have any faith in Lance Lynn right now. He did wind up going out and in his last start looked very solid against the San Francisco Giants. But, ever since he's come off the injured list, this has just not been someone that's been able to fire an all cylinders, and it hasn't necessarily been the swing and miss stuff that's been down for Lance Lynn. He's getting nine strikeouts per nine innings. He's given up three home runs over the course of four starts, 22 total innings. You'd like to see that be down a little bit, but it's not like he's giving up just a ridiculous amount of home runs or anything like that. Just has been a case in which he hasn't necessarily been able to rein it in as much. He wanted to begin the season just banged up as a whole five walks in 22 innings, but he's just catching way too much of the plate. You tell that he just hasn't been able to have those game reps to this point, so he's trying to ramp himself back up. Perhaps the start that he wound up having against the San Francisco Giants will get him going, but against the Tigers, the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Baltimore Orioles, three-plus runs surrendered in each of those starts. And then on the flip side for Joe Ryan, just been a steady Eddie guy all season long. 6-3 and three record with a three ERA. Doesn't necessarily do one thing flashy. Gives up one home run per nine innings. Gives up right in the neighborhood about 2.4-ish walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate. It offers right in the neighborhood about eight. He's just a guy that 
really is stable no matter what and has actually been a little bit better on the road than at home. 323 home ERA compared to a road ERA that's currently at a 267 and this is a Minnesota Twins bunch that got Byron Buxton. He's been able to give you a home run every 10 at-bats. It has been absolutely insane to watch him. Now, he needs to stay healthy to be able to help this team out but certainly putting together a very historic season whenever he has been out there and been able to swing the bat. On top of that, you do have quite a few guys that will be able to get on base for the team. Jose Miranda, Alex Curlock, Max Kepler, Ode Palenco, laying in that neighborhood of about a 230 to a 240, but Luis Arias, he's been hitting a 348, nearly a 425 on base. Carlos Correa hitting a 290 for this bunch. Gilberto Cicino, Nick Gordon have been able to do a nice job as well for the Chicago White Sox. Lack of power has really been a little bit of a bane of this team's existence. The only guy with a double-digit amount of homers right now for this team is Jose Abreu, who's been amazing, by the way, recently. Hitting about a 335 over the last three days for this bunch. But on top of that, Tim Anderson, he's been able to 325 for this bunch. Andrew Vaughn has been able to 300. Now, it always needs to be taken into account with the White Sox. There are splits against righties and lefties as they hit lefties for a batting average of right around a 290-ish against right-handed pitchers right in the neighborhood about a 240. So that is something very important to take a look at and for the White Sox, good news is they have reinforcements in the bullpen. Liam Hendricks, he was dealing with an injury. He is now back in the fold for this team. So you've got him and Kendall Graveman, but Joe Kelly continues to be a hot mess for this team, north of a 70 ERA. You've had a not-so-great season for Jose Ruiz. He's been able to turn it around a little bit more recently, but got a lot of guys that are very unreliable out there in this bullpen. And for the Minnesota Twins, it's a league-average bullpen. Griffin Jacks has been able to give you some good innings along with Yohan Duran. Both of these guys are able to give you multiple innings. Duran currently leading the big leagues in pitches thrown at 100-plus miles per hour, but Caleb Theobar has not been reliable along with Emilio Pagan, pair of guys with north of a 475 ERA as well. So you've got your good and bad, but I trust in Joe Ryan here more than I do Lance Lynn. And I do think that the Minnesota Twins have enough in their bullpen and they're going to use their actual trustworthy guys because I think that they'll get six good innings from Joe Ryan to be able to keep this total under. So did wind up saying my total at an 8.3 and made the Twins more on a minus 120 favorite. So looking Twins and looking under. 967, 968 on the main board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing OC Toronto Blue Jays as Jose Barrios is going to be going for the Jays. And James Caprillion is on the bump for Oakland. Oakland between a plus 150 and a plus 165 underdog. Meanwhile, for Toronto, anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180 is your price. 8 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even minus 110. I'll just give you the run line right now that we're seeing with the Blue Jays. It's anywhere between minus 105 to as high as a minus 115 to lay a run and half with them. And the minus 115 run line, that's pretty much a maximum one lay. I set this at a minus 117, laying a run and half with the Jays. And I did wind up making Barrios a minus 188 favorite. Not necessarily a boat of confidence for Jose Barrios in this spot, as he's always been worse on the road than he has been at home. You're even able to go back to his days with the Minnesota Twins. It was always the case, and for Barrios this season, his ERA nearly doubles whenever he winds up hitting the road. As a matter of fact, it more than doubles. 792 road ERA, 323 home ERA, but the good news is he's going up against an Oakland A's team that entering into this series in night number one on Monday, their starting lineup did not wind up having a single player hitting above a 240. Now, Ramon Laureano's been able to pick it up. Now, he and Christian Bethencourt along Sheldon Noisy, based on what we've been able to get in this series, they're now hitting above a 240. So, congratulations to them. Still not hitting at a 250, though. Seth Brown, the only guy on this team that has been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. He was on the lineup yesterday, which meant that you had one player on July 5th in the starting lineup for the Oakland A's with more than five home runs. Now, they do wind up playing in Oakland, a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, expanded fell territory to be able to help with the outs, and when the
the marine layer is out. It really does wind up allowing the ball to not travel as far, but that said, that's just absolutely embarrassing. And then for the Toronto Blue Jays, they did wind up having Viger Jr. out of the fold yesterday. Should be back in the lineup for this one, though, and... You do have, along with Guerrero, George Springer, along with Pobachet, both hitting right in the pocket about a 255 to 260. They have a combined 27 home runs for Vlager Jr., 19 bombs thus far this season. Alejandro Kirk has been one of the best hitting catchers out there in the big leagues, hitting above a 300. And even the understudy in Gabriel Moreno has been able to do a solid job for this team. The Blue Jays, they do need some pitching help. We talked about that with Danny Vietti, especially the bullpen. As you do have Tim Mays and David Phelps, both of these guys, been able to do a rock-solid job for this team. Both of these guys, a three ERA or better, but they're picking up Anthony Banda off the scrap BP while he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Wound up having a six ERA, Trevor Richards, north of a five ERA, Sergio Romo, north of a five ERA, Trent Thornton, he's got an ERA more around about a 440, so these guys have not been too terrific, and you did take a look at the Oakland A's and what you're going to be able to get out of James Caprillion, and he has put it together a little bit more recently, but gotta have your trepidations with this gentleman. A 5.43 ERA overall for the season has never been too much of a swing and miss guy. When it comes to strikeouts per nine innings, he's getting right around about six-ish thus far this season. He's giving up right in the neighborhood about 1.5 home runs per nine innings, including six home runs given up in 22 and a third innings at home. I mentioned just how hard it is to hit home runs in Oakland during the nighttime, and he's managed to give up a whole bunch of them, and the command is out there. When you're not much of a swing and miss guy, you've got to be able to not walk a lot of guys. He's giving up nearly four walks per nine innings. It has not been going well for him whatsoever. This is a total that, even though it is in Oakland, it's just set too low at this point. I wound up setting my total more around at nine. So, I'm taking a look at this eight. I'm going to be taking it over. And with the Blue Jays, I think that they're going to be able to slug their way to victory. Want to lay the run in F. I think that they win this game at multiple runs. So, look at Jays' run line and looking at this total. Over 969-970 on the bank board. The Baltimore Orioles they're going to be playing those to the Texas Rangers. Glenn Otto is going to be going for the Rangers and Spencer Watkins is on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore find themselves as a very slight underdog. You're going to be getting them any between minus 105 and seeing as good as uh, plus 102 with Texas. They are back to being a slight favorite in between minus 110 and minus 118. Nine is your total. The over is minus 120 and the under is even. And when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles, I did wind up saying them as the very slight favorite in this spot. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 108 with them. Spencer Watkins was one of the worst pitchers that we've really ever seen for a full season last year. He wound posting up north of an ADRA. He's given up darn near two and a half to three home runs per nine innings. I knew it was absolutely deplorable. Ever since he's come off the injury list, he hasn't looked bad. Now, it's a small sample size, two starts against the Twins and the Chicago White Sox, but both came on the road in 11 innings, gave up two runs, one of which was earned, giving up just two walks in that span. He looked really, really good, and even prior to him going on the injury list, he wound up turning in that last start before he wound up hitting the I.L., going four innings, giving up two runs to the New York Yankees, which it doesn't sound like a lot, but going up against the Yankees, that's not necessarily too bad, and for the Texas Rangers, and he used up quite a bit of their bullpen because Spencer Howard, as Spencer Howard always does, didn't wind up lending necessarily too great of a start. But you do take a look at this Rangers bullpen, and they are in the top eight in the big leagues. In terms of ERA, Brock Burke has been able to do an incredible job for this team. He's posting up right around a 1-1-2 ERA. Dennis Santana, sub-1-5 ERA as well. And then past that, Matt Moore has been able to give you two ERA. Joe Barlow has been rock solid for this bunch, so you're able to trust in them. But the Baltimore Orioles have actually been even better with their bullpen. Entering into 
Tuesday. They were in the top five in terms of bullpen ERA. You've got four different guys posting up an ERA of a 225 or lower in Felix Batista, Ore Lopez, Dylan Tate, CNL Perez, and then Keegan Aiken, the long guy, 231 ERA. And for the Baltimore Orioles, a lot of guys have been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base. You don't have a lot of power with the team. Anthony Santander has been able to give you 15 home runs, hitting right around a, about a 240 for this team. But you do have a trio of guys in Trey Boom Boom Mancini throwing their asses in the Say's kid and Ryan Mountcastle. Only between about a 272 280. Cedric Mullins over the last three days. He's been able to hit about a 300 in that time span. Now, bottom of the lineup with guys like Robinson, Chirinos, Ore Mateo, Ruben Andrador, they're in a 220 or lower. But for Texas, it's sort of been an all over the place lineup of their own as Josh Smith, he and Adelise Garcia are hitting in that neighborhood about a 250 and for Garcia. He's really been able to catch some steam recently. 10 total home runs over the last five weeks for this bunch. Corey Seager's hitting a 230 and you've got Marcus Simeon more around a 235. For Seager, 15 home runs. It's been rock solid. And for Marcus Simeon, only 10 home runs this season, but he had zero home runs after the first 40 games of the season. So he's actually been able to heat up a little bit more recently. Catcher spot has been relatively okay for this Texas Rangers bunch, but I did take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, and I do think that the bullpen is going to be able to help them win the day. And for Glenn Otto, it's been someone who's been a little bit up and down throughout his MLB career as well. He's got good stuff, but it feels like he either gives you a really good start or he just completely gets this right. He's actually been better on the road than at home. 360 road ERA, 802 home ERA, and when it comes to Otto, his strikeouts per nine rate, only right around a seven. He's given up 1.2 home runs per nine innings, and the big thing with him, the walks. He's giving up right around 5.6 walks per nine innings. It has been relatively brutal for him, and a lot of it is he just has not been set up to be able to pitch well in Texas, so I'm not sure what they're necessarily going to do there. I do think that he's going to be able to end a relatively okay start here in Baltimore. Whenever he winds up going down to the minor leagues, Glenn Otto has been very good, and then he comes up, much like Spencer Howard, and he has a little bit of a blow-up start, so I'm going to trust in Spencer Watkins in this one. Did wind up saying my total at a 9.1 just because with both of these teams, I do think that they're going to get to a pair of starters that are relatively young have been shaky throughout their careers and neither team necessarily got a lot of length out of their starter yesterday. So looking over and looking Orioles. 971-972 on the bang board. The Boston Red Sox. They're going to be playing us to the Tampa Bay Rays. Corey Kaluber is going to be going for the Rays and you've got the MLB debut of Brian Bello for the Red Sox. And the Red Sox, they are finding themselves as slight favorites here. Anywhere between minus 122 and a minus 130. Meanwhile, with the Rays, you're going to be getting them between plus 110 and plus 115. 9.5 is your total. On the 9.5, under is minus 120. The over is even on the 9. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And I want to pretty much flipping this. I want to make the Rays a minus 117 favorite. Now, you take a look at what Mr. Bello was able to do at the minor league level. He was getting right around 12.5 punch outs per nine innings. Really good numbers at the double-A and triple-A level over the last two seasons. He does wind up at the minor league level, though, have a little bit of a falter in terms of command. Giving up right around three and a half walks per nine innings. What that tells me is that he's got really good stuff. He has yet to be able to really be able to control it to this point, and that could wind up knocking him out of this start relatively early. For a Boston Red Sox team, that the bullpen has been much better recently. You still do have your question marks with it, though. Tyler Danish overall this season has right around a four ERA. He's seen a little bit of regression. And so Robles has been having a relatively rough run of it this season. He's got overall a 5.70 ERA in over the last three days. Nine total appearances that's coming off the injury list. 13.50 ERA, so that's not too terrific. John Schreiber, Eric Alzisato, Mora have been relatively solid along with 
Tanner Houck, though. And then for Corey Kluber, 3-5 record, but he hasn't been bad. 391 ERA. He had a little bit of a blow-up start a little bit earlier this season when the LA Angels wound up turning their no-hitter. But you do take a look at Kluber. He's done a nice job in terms of command, giving up right around 1.6 walks per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate in the neighborhood about 1.1. Opponents are about a 255 off of him. So not necessarily been anything supreme, but certainly has been far from terrible. And the Tampa Bay Rays back him up with a good bullpen. You've got Jason Adam, who's been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. J.P. Fire and being on the injured list that has hurt them a little bit. And Kelvin Foucher, not someone that I can necessarily rely upon, but Brooks Lee, Colin Pooch, both of these guys have a sub 2-5 ERA. Matt Weisler has been able to give you some good innings as well. For the Tampa Bay Rays, reinforcements have come in in terms of the bats with Rondo Franco being able to come in off the injured list. He, along with Randy Odozarena, they're in about a 255 to a 265. And then all of a sudden, Isaac Paredes has become like Babe Ruth Jr. He's got eight home runs over the last three weeks for this team. He overall for the season and sitting in the neighborhood about a 245 NDDS along G-Man Choi. 375 on base for both of these gentlemen and Harold Ramirez hanging above a 300, but bottom of the lineup, guys like Rene Pinto, Josh Lowe, Taylor Walls, Vidal Brujan, Brett Phillips, they're all hanging below a buck 80. For the Boston Red Sox, you've got just a quadrant at the front and J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Jaron Duran, all hitting above a 300 for this bunch. Christian Vasquez, he's been able to come along for the ride, hitting a 295. And Trevor's story has been intriguing. Went deep yesterday for his 14th home run season. 54 RBI, but he's got right around a 227 batting average. He's been good in big moments, but overall it's been a little bit touch and go with him. You've had Franchi Cordero be a little bit up and down for this team as well. So, an intriguing spot to say the least. I just really don't have a lot of faith in Bello being able to deliver in his first start. I think that the jitters are going to get to him. I think that his lack of command is going to catch up with him as well. I think that the Tampa Bay Rays going to be able to find cheap ways to be able to get on base. I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. The Rays, they've been in the bottom 10 in terms of runs per game in all of baseball. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under in this spot, but I felt like the Rays with the experience of Kluber should be the favorite. So I'm looking Rays, getting the plus price, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under set my total at an 8.8, 973, 974 on the bank board. Houston Astros are going to be playing us the Kansas City Royals as Brad Keller is going to be on the bump for the Royals and Christian Javier is going to be on the bump for Houston. Houston, a big giant favorite anywhere between minus 240 and minus 250. Between plus $2 and plus 222 is your price on Kansas City. 8.5 is your total. Seeing straight 8 out there as well on the 8. Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even minus 105 on the 8.5. Unders minus 115 and the over is minus 105 and with Mr. Javier set him as a minus 260 17 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line of the Houston Astros, you're going to be finding it right around a minus 115 to a minus 125. Houston has actually played a lot of one-run games thus far this season, so I would not be willing to lay the run line now. With that said, when it comes to the Royals in terms of their run line, to be able to take a run and F, I would need to be getting a little bit more of a plus price here. I would need to be getting right around, I would say, about a plus 115 to a plus 120. Right now, we're finding more around a plus 105 to a plus 110. But that said, I needed at least a plus 218 to be able to take a shot. We're right now seeing plus 220. I'm seeing as high as a plus 222. I'm going to wind up taking the Kansas City Royals in this spot. Now, Christian Javier has been absolutely lights out in terms of the swing and miss stuff. As a matter of fact, 27 strikeouts in his last two starts. One of them wanted coming at Yankee Stadium, so he's been great there, but the one thing with Christian Javier is that the command has honestly been terrific, right? Around 3.3 to 3.4 walks per nine innings. And with Christian Javier, he's been just supreme at home. Buck 83 home area compared to a 3.56 ERA on the road. But opponents are in just a buck 48 off of him when he is in Houston. So I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression there. And for Brad Keller, he's been able to do a much better job in terms of the command this season. For his career, north of three and a half walks. 
per nine innings thus far this season. He's lowered that to more around 2.93-ish walks per nine innings, giving up about a home run per nine. And Brad Keller, very equal home to road. As a matter of fact, 423 home ERA, 424 road ERA. So he doesn't wind up having any sort of a fall off in that regard. And when it comes to this Kansas City Royals bunch, maybe they will be a little bit of a pest to this Astros team throughout this series thus far. They wound up playing them close on the 4th of July. You do have a couple guys that are starting to come around with the bat as well. Hunter Dozier hitting right around 255 for this bunch. Andrew Benatendi has been hitting right around 300 and Whitmerfield. It's been a season to forget up to this point, but over the last three weeks, he's hitting more like a 275 on base percentage, hovering right around at 370. So he's been able to kick it into gear for this team. Bobby Wood Jr. has been able to give you a double digit amount of homers now. Kyle Isabel, Nikki Lopez, MJ Melendez in between about a 222, 230 at the bottom of the fold. That doesn't necessarily help, but take a look at this Astros team, man. The entire catcher spot, LMND Diaz, Yoli Gurriel. Throwing their Jose series, Mauricio Dubon, all these guys are hitting at 230 or lower now. Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena, both of these guys hitting in that neighborhood about a 275 to a 280. Pena had a multi-home run game to be able to lift the team to victory against the Angels on Sunday. Jose Altuve, 16 home runs along. Kyle Tucker also has 16 bombs. Alex Bregman only hitting at 240, but north of a 300 base. And Jordan Alvarez, 24 home runs, hitting over a 400 with regards to the on-base, 310 in terms of batting average. That has been incredible. And for the Astros, Bullpen has been lights out. You've got the number one bullpen in terms of VRA out there in the big leagues, but I just don't know how sustainable it is. Ryan Sanek, a sub-1 ERA. Rafael Montero, a sub-2 ERA. Brian Abreu, a sub-225 ERA. Seth Martinez, a 0.83 ERA. I do think that they're doing for a little bit of negative regression. And the Royals, it's been a rough bullpen this season, especially with Josh Stamont currently finding himself on the injured list. But Joel Piamps has been able to give you some good innings. He's got right around a 3-ish ERA. Taylor Clark, it's been a bad year for him, but you take a look at what he's been able to do recently. And over the last three days, 275 ERA. Scott Barlow has seen his ups and downs, but he still has a sub-3 ERA. So I do think that this is a royal team that they're starting to improve a little bit. I do think that Brad Keller gives them a shot in this one. Being able to get north of a 220 year on the Kansas City Royals, I'm going to be able to take it in. A game I think is going to be relatively well pitched. You've got an Astros team that's been the best team to the under in all of baseball this season as well. So I do wind up saying my total at a 7.8. I'm looking under, and I'm going to be taking a look at getting a plus 220 or greater with the Royals. 975-976 on the betting board. You've got the Miami Marlins and they're going to be playing us the LA Angels. As Shoy Otani is going to be on the bump for the Halos and Trevor Rogers is going to be on the bump for Miami. We're finding a total in a lot of places of 7, but that 7 has juice of minus 120 on the over with the under at even. I'm seeing a straight 7.5 out there. That under has juice of minus 130 and the over is a plus 110 with the Angels going to be getting them anywhere between a minus 153 and a minus 157 favorite. Meanwhile, for Miami, anywhere between plus 135 and plus 147 is your price on them. And for Miami, I needed at least a plus 142 to be able to take a shot, so I'm going to be willing to nibble here. Now, with Trevor Rogers, it's been fascinating to watch him because over the last two seasons, He's actually got a better ERA on the road than he does at home, and it's been really a season to forget for him. But I feel like he's gotten a little bit unlucky thus far this season in terms of some of the hard contact he has given up. And Shoya Otani has some pretty demonstrative home and road splits. Now, they were much worse last season. Last season, Shoya Otani had an ERA that was a 5 on the road, and it was just below a 2 at home. Thus far this season, a little bit more in control. 213 home ERA compared to a 341 road ERA. And Joy Otani has really been able to do a good job with his strikeouts to walk rate, being right around a 5.5. 17 walks and 74 innings, so that's a walks per 9 rate, right around 2 strikeouts per 9 rate. That is hovering in the neighborhood about 12. So he has been absolutely magnificent with that regard, giving up about a home run per 9 innings. Meanwhile, Trevor Rogers more around 1.25 home runs per 9 innings. The big thing with him is the walks, 4.5 walks per 9 innings. But... 
with Rodgers. Now three earned runs of fear given up in each out of his last three starts and four out of his last five. So he's been able to do a little bit of better job in that regard. What really worked for him in past seasons was being able to get swings and misses. Hasn't necessarily been able to do as much of that this season. Getting right around eight punch outs per nine innings and an 839 home area compared to a 395 area on the road. But seven out of the 10 home runs that he's given up have been at home and he's pitched his 24 and two thirds innings at home. 43 and a third on the road and Miami known as a little bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. So I do think that you're going to see a little bit of positive progression there. When it comes to the Miami Marlins, they have been dealing with a couple of injuries in terms of the lineup, but you've got Joey Wendell back in the fold for the team, along with Brett Anderson. Anderson is sitting in the neighborhood about a 270. Wendell hitting nearly a 300. Gary Cooper has been a nice able setter for the team. Wound up going deep yesterday as he's hitting right around a 315 overall. You've got Brian David Cruz, who has been able to deliver a pair of home runs over the last week or so, so that has been nice for the team. you got Ross. He's really been able to pick it up. He got off to a really bad start to the season. Now he's hitting a little bit above a 250 overall, hitting north of a 310 over the last three days as well. Having Ode Soler out of the fold has hurt them a little bit in terms of power, but that's not necessarily what the team has been known for to start with it for the LA Angels. You've got Jared Walsh and Choi Otani. pair of guys in between about a 252 and 260. Both of these guys have really been able to hit the deep ball. He combined 29 home runs for these two gentlemen entering into what we want to see on Tuesday. Taylor Ward, he's hitting a 300 double-digit amount of homers and Mike Trout. He's in a bit of a funk right now. You know that he's going to be a bust out of it, though. 23 home runs, 370 on base. But it's some of those guys like Max Stassi, Brandon Marsh, Andrew Velasquez, Jonathan VR hitting a 225 or lower. They're currently killing the team. And for the LA Angels, you've got Rossi Iglesias, Aaron Loop, Ryan Tabera. Your 7th through ninth inning guys all posting up a 350 or worse. ERA out there in the bullpen. You've got Oliver Ortega and Elvis Piguero who are going to be requested upon for innings and these guys are not too terrific. Both of these guys have north of a 3-5 ERA so it's been a bad bullpen and for the Miami Marlins and it's been a deplorable bullpen of their own as well as Anthony Bass has been able to give you some good innings. We were talking about this a little bit earlier with our good friend Danny Vietti and just how much production Sadie Alcantara is giving this team because the bullpen is so bad. Tommy Nance, north of a 5 ERA. Zach Pop is not a guy that you're able to rely upon along Dylan Flora, although I will say Stephen Okert, sub 3 ERA, has been rock solid. But that said, I do think the Shoei Otani going to wind up giving up a little bit in this game. You got a pair of bullpens that are just a hot mess right now as well. So I did wind up saying my total at a 7.8. So I'm going to be looking at an over. And I do think that Trevor Rogers going to be able to hone it in a little bit more in the start, willing to take the Marlins at north of a plus 142. So looking fish and looking over. And we wrap things up 9 77-978 on the bank board. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they play host to the New York Yankees. Luis Severino is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. And Mitch Keller is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh. Currently, this is a game with no numbers up on it. Gotta wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a pitching change or not. If it does wind up being what I'm currently seeing on the betting board in terms of Severino versus Mitch Keller. It was a case in which I wanted making the Yankees a minus 197 favor, minus 124 laying a run and half on the run line and an eight or less I'd be taking a look at an over eight and a half higher to the under. Luis Severino has struggled a little bit more on the road rather than at home but it has still been rock solid pretty much throughout the entirety of the season. 432 road ERA, 262 ERA at home. Overall has given up right around 1.25 home runs per nine innings. He's been able to hone it in in terms of command. 2.6 walks per nine innings. Opponents overall rating a 206 off of him including a buck 93 off of him when he is on the road. So Severino certainly has been able to do his part and then you take a look at Mitch Keller was someone that wanted getting actually demoted from the rotation and ever since he's been reinserted it's been going well for him now last start against the Washington Nationals not great. Wound up giving up five runs over the course of four innings. The team still was able to get the job done, but the way that Mitch Keller has been able to pitch in Pittsburgh, not bad. 580 road ERA, 
446 ERA at home, giving up just two home runs over the course of 34 and a third innings when he is at home. The big thing for Mitch Keller is the walks. He's giving up right around four walks per nine innings, and with that, he also gets right around about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. So he needs to do a little bit of better job in terms of that ever since he wound up getting reinserted into the rotation. It's been relatively what we would expect from him in terms of command. A little bit closer to about 3.66 walks per nine innings, but typically just what you're going to be able to find out of Mitch Keller. And then you take a look at this Yankees lineup, and you've just got all the matchers out there. Aaron Judge, along with Anthony Rizzo, entered into Tuesday a combined 50 home runs overall this season. Then on top of that, DJ LeMayu, Glaber Torres, Matt Carpenter, Isaiah Kinner-Falefa, all these guys hanging between about a 257 to a 270. And Carpenter, in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis, he has been one of the better players out there in the big leagues. Jose Trevino getting a 255 for this bunch. John Carlos Stanton has been a little bit in and out of the fold. He is in it right now, and he's been able to give the team 19 home runs thus far this season. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've got some young talent that has been able to come in, though some of that young talent, it is a little bit. Once again, hit or miss. Yoshi Satsugo, Oniel Cruz, Michael Perez, Josh Van Meter. You're able to go down the list of guys hitting a 220 or lower for the scene, but Oniel Cruz has been able to provide a lot of RBI. You've also got a guy in Perez who wound up having a three home run game a little bit earlier this season. He, Brian Reynolds, and Jack Swazinski, and Swazinski is hitting a 225. All have had a three home run game ever since Father's Day. That does make a lot of sense. Brian Reynolds, he's been able to do a nice job of being able to put back to ball. He's got 15 home runs this season. Swazinski, 14. And for Reynolds, hitting right around a 255 has been cooling off a little bit recently, but he and Cabrian Ace have been able to do a solid job of being able get on base for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but a case in which the starting pitching has not provided a lot of wins. I believe that all but five of the wins for the team thus far this season have come out of the bullpen, even though the bullpen can be a little bit shaky as you've got Yuri De Los Santos, who's been able to give you right around about a three-ish ERA, Dwayne Underwood Jr. whenever he's been out there. It's been a quality long guy, but it's really been Chase Young and David Bernard posting up a sub-2-5 ERA that has been able to hold down the four day. I will say Tyler Beatty wanted coming over from the Giants, sub-3 ERA out of him, but when you have to rely upon guys like Aaron Aaron Fletcher, Ethan Embry, guys like this. It's not necessarily been too terrific for this team. So in this spot, assuming that it is going to be Severino against Mitch Keller, especially with this Yankees bullpen being number two in the big leagues in terms of ERA, the former Pittsburgh Pirates, Clay Holmes, giving you a sub-1 ERA. Wandy Peralta, a sub-2 ERA. Michael King doing a good job, giving you multiple innings. Lucas Lutke over the last 45 days has been a solid option as well. That bullpen, they wind up saying the Yankees, minus 197 on the money line, minus... 124 laying a run and half at 88 or less would be looking at an over eight and a half higher to the under in this spot. And now we'll wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Vison Family Podcast. A big thanks to Danny Vietti over there with CBS Sports and the Wake and Rake Podcast for joining me in the last segment. If you do like appearing for this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, let us Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline and other ways via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. I'm going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.